Everybody, I'm Peter Diamandis here with my buddy Dan Sullivan, and it's time for another session of Exponential Wisdom. Dan, a pleasure, a pleasure to chat with you. And on this episode, I want to talk about something that blew my mind, mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people's mind, which was something that Sundar, the CEO of Google, released at their major conference called Google I.O., and that was Google Duplex. Dan, did you see Google Duplex? Did you hear it? Uh, yes, I. First of all, it's gone viral. I mean, it's one of those things that really went viral. Peter, before we talk about it, why don't we just play the clip for everybody so that everybody can get a handle on what happened here, and then we can go into it a little bit more deeply. That sounds like a great idea, Dan. And this is Sundar, the CEO of Google, who replaced Larry Page. As Larry Page became the CEO of the parent company, Alphabet. And Sundar releases this and shocks the audience. So this is a... AI, a deep learning AI that was trained to make appointments. So let's play this. We'll go from there. Okay, here we go. Oh, how can I help you? Hi, I'm calling to book a women's haircut for a client. Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd. So I give me one second. So you're hearing Google I.O. and a hair salon. Sure, what time are you looking for around? At 12 p.m. We do not have a 12 p.m. available. The closest we have to that is a 1.15. Do you have anything between 10 a.m. and uh, 12 p.m.? Depending on what service she would like, what service is she looking for? Just a woman's haircut for now. Okay, we have a 10 o'clock. 10 a.m. is fine. Okay, what's her first name? The first name is Lisa. Okay, perfect. So I will see Lisa at 10 o'clock on May 3rd. Okay, great. Thanks. Great. Have a great day. Bye. So those cheers were all the people at the Google I.O. conference. Pretty extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Don't you think, Dan? I mean, you're deep into this and have checked out all sorts of applications of AI. What did it do for you sitting at the audience? I mean, I mean, you're not a stranger off the street here. You've been delving into this for as long as I've known about you. And what did it do for you sitting there? So there's something called the Turing test. And the Turing test was defined as a test that would be once passed would say an AI has reached human level intellect. Mm -hmm. And the Turing test was originally conceived of by Turing, created Turing machines, and these were the computers used during World War II to help decode and help us win. The first computers to help us really win World War II. But at the end of the day, it was supposed to be done by typing, not by audio. Mm -hmm. But this was so human. It was so colloquial. I covered up at one point where the computer, where Google Duplex says, Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know, just to, like keep the conversation going. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like just like that. Uh, <laughs> so it was extraordinary. Now, when you pull back the covers, what you find out is that Google Duplex is a narrow AI, meaning it was designed to be able to make appointments for people. Restaurant appointments, haircut appointments, appointments, get your car fixed, whatever. You would say, this is the service I want. This is the time I'm interested in. This is my name. And then it would go out and make the appointment for you. If you asked Google Duplex about the weather or about your opinion on a book, it would fail miserably. But I was so blown away by what a great job it did. It made me think that we're not far from a point where I might have 
in my system a hundred or a thousand mm-hmm. narrow AIs, one that's great for book reviews, one that's great for making appointments, one that's great for calling a friend and catching up, who knows what it might be, and then a master AI that deploys the narrow AI. So the big question becomes, at the end of the day, when someone calls you, do you know if it's a human or an AI? And one of the big outbursts was, should an AI be forced to self-identify like, hi, I'm calling to book an appointment. By the way, I'm a Google AI, so don't get upset at me. What are your thoughts about having AIs out there in the wild interacting? Should they self-identify or not? Yeah, it's a really interesting thing. And this problem has actually been dealt with about 60 years ago. Really? Yeah, and completely different. So this is my ADD brain, you know, (laughs) extracting something for you. But there were a lot of German soldiers that were actually born and raised in the United States, and they went back and they fought for the Germans. And near the end of the war, they were using them as infiltration spies to go behind American lines. So they had to develop a whole protocol of how you could actually tell whether someone was actually an American or a German. And the one trick they did is they asked them to sing the Star Spangled Banner. And if they knew the words, they knew they were a German. (laughs) That is so funny. I have to tell you. No, no. But but think about it. I know. I know. That's amazing. uh, It's like, there's a funny joke. Someone who is trilingual, who speaks three languages is trilingual, right? Right. A person who speaks two languages is bilingual. A person who speaks one language is American. (laughs) And then not completely. But right off the bat, there's huge practicality to this. Since they're going narrow with it, they're going to get better and better at these things. And the thing that I picked up right away, and of course, I had read the actual script, the actual interchange, and what it left out was the hums and the kind of pauses that people do, you know, like asking, well, we can't do it at noon. So when, well, anytime between 10 and 12, you know, like that. And it was just really great because humans don't speak grammatical English. It's not like Hal. We're not talking about Hal from 2001 here. We're talking about the kind of common way that people actually talk to each other. And I I think that's the beautiful thing that they've actually picked up here is the pausing. And you can feel the person thinking, well, let me see here. Yeah, yeah, between 10 and 12. What does Lisa want? Oh, just a woman's haircut. It is spectacular. So Google Duplex is just the beginning of near Turing test-like proficiency and human-human interaction. What is interesting is it's taking a computer and it's using our natural input-output of a human, which is voice, mm-hmm. right? My dear friend Ray Kurzweil, who you know very well, has been working on this for ages. He wasn't involved in this team, but he's created the ability to query books, right? He just created a whole capability at Google where you could talk to a book. You could basically, you download the book's semantic meaning and you could ask questions of a book and the AI would answer from within that book. But there's another interesting technology that came out in the last few months. This comes out of three companies, out of Baidu, out of Google, and out of Adobe. And it's the ability of an AI to completely simulate a person's voice. Mm -hmm. So here's the capabilities, and I won't go into which one does which, but 
And one, let's make it personal. You have an amazing partner, Babs Smith, as you say, no Babs, no coach, and no Dan. <laughs> it's uh, the sun is the center of the universe. But imagine a program which exists today that from a limited number of clips, like if someone recorded Babs speaking 10 different phrases, about 10 seconds each, and feeds it into the AI, the AI can now at like 99% accuracy simulate Babs' voice. So imagine one day you get a call, it's Babs, and you're chatting with her, but it's really an AI, and you can't tell. Mm -hmm. Or imagine in a future where it's a sales call, and on the other side, it sounds just like your mom, so it enters deep into your consciousness, Mm -hmm. right? Or it sounds just like Mm -hmm. some famous star that you love on TV, and so it hits all of your neurons that have warm and fuzzy feelings about that star. So this is an interesting future. Peter, when you think about this, because you're an output machine, you know, anybody who follows the digital A360, could you see yourself, you would just be interviewed and then using your voice, they would duplicate Peter's voice, but then the content in the context would be outputted And this could be done automatically, in other words, on a whole number of different topics, a whole number of medium. Because I'd be very fascinated with that because over the next year, I'm going to do 250 podcasts in eight different series with partners. And I was just wondering if you're seeing it because you're very vocal and you're a coach. I mean, I told you, you were in for your workshop and I said, I'm seeing more and more there's three platforms. There's technology. And then there's teamwork, human teamwork, but in the middle is coaching. It seems to me that you're a global coach who explains technology, as we're doing right here on this podcast. You're explaining technology. You're bringing new knowledge to people that they can use for teamwork, because that's what I really see happening here. Yeah, and I appreciate that, especially coming from you as my coach. Yeah, I do realize that my job is to inspire and guide people, Mm -hmm. which is effectively coaching. So let me tell you a third platform that's under development. A friend of mine is working on this. I've been looking at it for a potential investment by my venture fund. And this is an AI platform that you would download into the AI all of your content. So a mutual friend, Tony Robbins, has been looking at this very closely. Other celebrities have been looking at it. So imagine an AI that you give all of your books, all of your audio recordings, Mm -hmm. video recordings, and it consumes and downloads. Oh, when someone talks to Peter about mindset, these were the things he said. When Mm -hmm. someone talks about MTP, these were the things he said. And we have 10,000 examples Mm -hmm. of that. So you're basically training up an AI to have input that triggers a set of responses And then for this particular person, it's a young person, an older person, a CEO, an entrepreneur, whatever it might be, these are the most appropriate responses. So you can imagine a deep learning AI Mm -hmm. that simulates you perfectly. And now, if you also taught that AI to speak like you, it's not playing back recordings, it's actually playing back the kinds of responses in your voice to that community. Realistic synthesizing. So we're getting to a point where I think that is probably we'll see early versions of that within two years. 
And I think that will be in force in mass within five years. You may not like this, Dan, but we're going to train up an AI version of Dan Sullivan. You know, it's all about dematerialization. You know, whatever you digitize Mm. enters a period of slow, deceptive growth. It becomes disruptive as it dematerializes, demonetizes, and democratizes. So I know I love Coach and I pay, you know, 20,000 plus per year to go. And I go four times a year. I fly from LA to Toronto to spend time with you as my coach. But there will be a version in the future where you become dematerialized and people can get their one-on-one coach training every day if they want Mm -hmm. from a dematerialized Dan Sullivan. I guess 500 years ago when printing came in, there were certain existing habits that got confronted with an entire new reality. And one of the things that I've paid a lot of attention is the period of history between 1450 and around 1600 when books came in. And one of the big Mm -hmm. problems with books is that people would go into them like they go into their iPhones and they wouldn't come out. It was a new realm where there's a professor, Harold Bloom, at Yale University, and he said that if you look at Shakespeare's plays, it's the first time that it's ever been dramatized, in other words, on stage, of a person talking to themselves in front of an audience, Hamlet, Macbeth, you know, Othello. And he says that probably people didn't really talk to themselves that much before books came in, but when you had a book, you started talking to yourself, you started interacting with the thoughts. So I see this as stretching. In other words, if we have these capabilities, one is I think our ears are going to get a lot sharper at just picking up. Is this really an actual person that's talking? And the other thing is we're going to get really, really sharp. Is is this new material or is this just synthesized material? So my feeling is that yeah. our brains will get stretched by it. I mean, here's the thing. I was on you know a busy freeway in Toronto and hundreds of cars. Everybody's kind of doing okay with it. And I said, go back 100 years and put human beings into a position. You know, you take the 405 in L.A. and you got a 1,000 cars, and humans are doing all this stuff. They have no capability of doing this 100 years ago, but now it's just automatic. People don't even think about it. So my sense is that our brains are going to get stretched by the AI capabilities. I think you're right, and I think there's going to be an interesting set of new cultural elements, like you'll say a phrase like A or H, which is like, you know, AI or human, there'll be a law passed that if an AI is asked that, it has to answer A, Yeah. right? Or if you're a human, you'll say, asshole, don't you know who I am? As a response, which you'll say, okay, that person's <laughs> obviously my buddy. What were the robot laws? Who wrote the yeah, robot? Yeah, Isaac Asimov had the three laws of robotics. So there will be that, but it sets up, I mean, advertising world is going to use and abuse this in some way. Mm-hmm. Because again... It'll be interesting whether you, as a pop star, are able to actually patent your voice Mm -hmm. so that an AI can't replicate. I don't know what the rules are today, but I know sometimes when I talk to Greg O'Brien, who's my rock star in the video world, and say, can you find me a sound-alike for Pick Your Favorite Star, I'll get a dozen clips reading a speech, and I'll say, yeah, that's the voice I want. That's the Patrick Stewart version that I want. But an AI will be able to do Patrick Stewart perfectly yeah, for free. So interesting legalities that will pop up there. But I'm still interested in, 
I get a call from someone who sounds like my mom saying, you know, there's a special at the store today. And somehow that enters my consciousness Mm -hmm. deeper and more meaningful. And I wouldn't want that. No. One thing in the future, there will be more lawyers. Oh, God, don't go there. <laughs> no, no, I mean, if it can be abused, that means that when, you know, world catastrophe happens, only two things still exist, cockroaches and lawyers, you know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but my feeling is that we're getting stretched. You know, there's the downside of it, but there's also a huge upside. The only problem is you have to create the upside. The upside won't be given to you. We talked about this you know, at your last workshop. The one thing technology will not do is tell you what you want. In other words, that comes from inside. It'll free us up from a lot of things, which it can do, but it won't free us up to do something that can only come from your imagination, putting your imagination together. So I would immediately see the upside of this capability. No, I do too. I mean, I'm a glass overflowing kind of guy. Let me give you one of the upsides that's interesting that some people might find spooky, But, you know, you just lost your husband or wife. Mm -hmm. You can take an AI and train it to speak exactly in the way that your dearly deceased partner is. And you could also, if that partner had been using text messages or Twitter or Facebook or had published or had produced content, you'll be able to upload the simulacrum of that person in a way that you can continue that conversation. And for some people, that will be a life-changing. And other people, it'll go down the wrong street direction. Yeah, the big thing, you know, and I don't know if this is where your thinking is going, Peter, but it's the synthesizing in response to a question. In other words, like the thing that Ray is introducing with the books, Mm -hmm. where you ask about this book, and I'm assuming that the responses are not pre-scripted. And my feeling is, let's say you had a massive repository of the person who you've lost, and there's a lot of content there with that person and everything else. Could you converse with someone who's dead? Yeah, I think you can. And you can say, you know, listen, Jimmy's having difficulty with his girlfriend again. You know, do you have any thoughts or advice? And if that database had had enough information. But let me tell you where we're going, Dan, that this becomes so much more real. I've talked about this before. I've talked about this A360. I I know this for a fact. We're heading to a very near future where each of us are going to have our own software AI shells. Mm -hmm. You can think of it as Jarvis from Iron Man. And this AI that you're wearing, right? I carry my phone with me as a piece of technology, but we're going to be wearing this AI, and you're going to give permission to this AI to listen to every conversation you have, to read your emails, to look at your blood chemistries, to see what you're eating, but to basically monitor every conversation, because as you give it that permission, it's going to be bringing forward to you critical data that will help you make decisions. Mm -hmm. But this AI will also be training up a simulation of you. Mm-hmm. So, and you know this for yourself, right? I know that I have conversations over and over and over again through my life. They may change, but my opinion about what a person should do or a family member should do doesn't change. But sometimes mm-hmm. a person needs to hear it again. So, there'll be a future in which when you ask your dearly departed about what your son or daughter should do, that 
it's an answer they've given multiple times over the course of that kid's life. And just hearing it again helps you remember because our memories, for the most part, as humans, are lacking. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of memory capacity on Amazon Cloud. One of the things, I know we've talked about this before, is that you know when things become almost endlessly abundant in one realm, we start to appreciate the realm that's still scarce. So one of the things that I feel is that human contact is actually going to become more precious. And we will use our interaction with the AI to actually train ourselves to be more human. It's kind of like we're working at the gym all day and all our muscles are working because of the AI. And then when we're with humans, the carryover of our increasing skill from the AI gym is actually going to make us more interesting humans. Yeah, I can imagine that. I'm going to take it a slightly different direction, which is I would be interested to have a conversation with myself. Yeah, I would too. You know, am I being an asshole to myself? Is that the way? It's called thinking about your thinking. Yeah, well, so all of a sudden, right, if you have an AI that's trained up to sound like you, act like you, respond like you, I can think of no better couples training (laughs) when you get to see what you're like. Yeah in the middle of a conversation. Are you cutting yourself off all the time? Are you being empathic? Are you not being empathic? That's interesting. It's like looking yourself in the mirror, but in the mental and auditory mirror. We haven't even talked about the notion that companies like Soul Machine are creating visual avatars, Mm -hmm. video avatars of people that look perfectly human, Mm -hmm. right? Marilyn Monroe coming back to life and talking to you, having a personal conversation with you. So we've talked about audio here, Mm -hmm. which is easier and easy to Mm -hmm. understand, but we're going to start to see this go into the video world very quickly as well, which is going to have a huge impact on VR and AR and so forth. I think there would just be a capability growth that comes with us that's largely unpredictable until we actually have the interactions. You know, you're talking about this very narrow, focused AI. I was reading a story about animal intelligence, and the guy was saying the average squirrel can remember where they buried the thousand acorns over the last three years. So they're going animal intelligence by animal intelligence, and they're finding in a very narrow sense, almost any animal has an intelligence factor with what they do for survival that's above any human intelligence in that area. So my sense is this notion of specialized focused intelligence is being given a real boost with the AI. So we can see how an intelligence focused on one thing really, really develops, and we can learn from that. We can actually learn from that. The impact on the academic community is what I see here. They're wiped out if they don't get more useful. Yeah, it's interesting, right? So one of the things I remember at the founding conference of Singularity University we had a conversation saying, when will we have our AI faculty members up on stage teaching content, mm-hmm. right? And it should be awfully soon because I know when I am go and give a keynote, I'll update my keynotes every time, but I give two a week, a hundred times a year. And at the end of the day, there's a lot of overlap and it's different having a human on stage versus a video recording. But how far is it before we have avatars mm-hmm. that sound and look yeah. look human? Yeah, 
I introduced the concept at our last that things are accepted when they're positively normal. So I've been developing this idea of positively normal. I mean, you take the average person from 100 years ago and put them in a city, there's an enormous amount that their experience wouldn't be positively normal about just walking around downtown L.A. or any other city. So I think that there's an acceptance factor that when it becomes positively normal, then it'll become widespread. So I want to tee up our next podcast with an interesting twist here. So when I was with you at Coach a few days ago, you introduced a concept called Who Not How, which I love, and I would love if we talk about it next. And so the interesting thing is maybe in the future, some of the who's will actually be AIs. Mm -hmm. You want to tee up Who Not How one second? for our next conversation? Yeah, well, the big thing is a deep dive into procrastination because I have a kind of an unusual client base in the sense that in Strategic Coach, we're always asking people to think 10 times what they're doing right now. And now I just introduced the concept of your best year ever, take it 100 times and ask yourself, how would you be enthusiastic and actually motivated to go 100 times if you didn't have to do any of the how that was attached to that, you could just link up with another who, who actually provided the capabilities that you need. You just specialize in what you're already good at, but you link up with someone else's specialty or a number of individuals, an ongoing number of other individuals. And it seems to me that this actually links up very, very well with this notion having AI intelligence because we already do this with human intelligence. So those who are not a member of Coach, and I always commend you to check it out, it is amazing, strategiccoach.com. This was a game-changing conversation for me, this whole concept of who, Mm -hmm. not how. And I know I have a thousand ideas a year, and a lot of times I will say, eh, not going to pursue that. I just have no time. I don't have the expertise. But if instead I can pick a who... Mm -hmm write up an impact filter, hand it to them, and let them worry about it, it's a game changer. And eventually, the who's won't be your employee, Mm -hmm. it won't be an intern, it won't be someone you hire. It may be an AI from Google or Amazon or Baidu, but we'll see about that. Anyway, pal, a real pleasure. I enjoyed this one. This was fun talking about Google Duplex and... You name the area, philosophical, metaphysical, economic, social, this one really has a game-changing quality, whatever you bring it in touch with. Well, talk to you on our next podcast. Thank you. See you, pal. Bye.